Hello and welcome to the Scottish Women's Football Show. Uh, I'm your host Chris Marshall, as always, and as always, I'm joined by um, a guy who's probably still giddy from the, the result of the Dundee Derby last Friday night, uh, Mr. Campbell Finlay. How are you doing, Campbell? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Chris. Well, he's all right. Maybe he's not giddy. He seems very much too, too business no, this I'm evening. Being professional tonight, yeah. Being professional. For now. For now. If you follow him on Twitter, you know that that's not the case usually. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's another week of Scottish women's football action, and this week we've got a, a, a usual Scottish women's football to cover. So we're going to talk about the Scotland game last Friday night. Uh, then we're going to have a look at the Scottish Cup draw. We made some speculation about it. The draw has now been made, so we'll have a wee chat about that. There was a couple of games in the SWPL this weekend as well. Um, I was at one of those, and then we're going to look ahead to this weekend's fixtures and um, pick out a couple of big games. But I think I think we already know which one's probably the biggest one of the weekend. But Campbell, let's start on Friday night at Easter Road. Um, I was there uh, covering the game. Scotland 8, Cyprus now. Um, I'll tell you what, what's your result? We'll look at the score first of all and then maybe just dissect the performance a little bit. But what was your take, obviously, in terms of an 8-0 victory to start off qualifying? It's, it's a pretty good start, eh? Yeah, I mean, you can't ask for too much better than it. Obviously, there'll be some tougher tasks to come. But given the sort of fallout from the World Cup, it was just good for them to get back on track and have the football that uh, you were able to talk about this time and, it was obviously very comfortable in the end for them. Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was comfortable. I think I think it'd be unrealistic to say anything, but that obviously Cyprus were uh, debutants for qualifying, so they, they played like, obviously some friendly tournaments and played against nations of their level. But this was their first foray into the world of qualifying for a major tournament. I thought the the team looked pretty familiar, Campbell, in terms of how it started. Um, Jane Ross came in for Aaron Cross, but two slightly different strikers. Obviously, Jane Ross tends to hold the ball more up more while Erin Cuthbert likes to run run forward with it. And I actually think with the way that uh, we played with uh, Claire Emsley and Lisa Evans on the wings and then obviously support coming from Kim Little behind, I think that really worked well in terms of having Jane Ross as a pivot. Um, and we started pretty much as we meant to go on, Campbell. Yeah, I mean, Kim Little was clearly the star of the show as well, uh, getting five goals. If you can perform like that every time there's a Scotland game, then... It's exactly what you want from your captain, and you they should go on and pick up more points in the group. Um, as we're saying, looking at it, some of the games will get harder, but the next two games are actually against Albania and then Cyprus again. So, I mean, if they go into those games, games should be winning and come out with nine points, and they'll be full of confidence for some of the tougher tasks. So, it's all in all, it's a pretty perfect way for them to start, and hopefully, they can kick on and qualify for another competition, although it's a long way to go yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably being massively optimistic and obviously when you, you cover the game for organisations that are involved in Scottish women's football you, you have to be optimistic you look for the sunny side but I think maybe the first 15-20 minutes we looked maybe a little slack um, the Rach Corsa was put, putting some really good long balls forward but there was also some balls from Jen Beatty at the bat and it just seemed a little bit off pace in terms of what was happening maybe that's just a consequence of first time we've been together since that that night in Paris that I was going to live for a long time and obviously the quality of position not being great but the um they really kind of got at it and they got the breakthrough nice and early, 10, 11 minutes in, really helped. I don't think it was any nerves. I think, that, I think that's probably fair to say, given the quality of all position. Uh, got, the, got the first goal nice and early, 11 minutes in. It was actually probably the best move of the, of the match in terms of scoring a goal. Um, Lee Evans, Claire Emsley and uh, Caroline Weir all kind of interchanging the ball, getting it back to Claire Emsley at the back post to head it in. And then it was um, it kind of turned into a little bit like the Kim Little, Kim little show. She scored a couple um, a couple of goals and uh, went in at halftime 3-0 up. But at halftime, uh, Campbell three 0 I mean, it was it was job done. I don't think it was particularly flashy at that point. There was definitely moments there that we, you could see the quality in, in our side compared with with Cyprus. And I mean, Cyprus 
they were there to dig in. I think we, we speculated about that before the game as well. Um, but at halftime, it was pretty comfortable. And I suppose really what, what you were looking for in that second half is what we got, Campbell. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've only been really seeing the highlights, as you were saying, I was elsewhere on Friday evening. But as much as Kim Little was the one obviously getting all the plaudits, and probably rightly so, Caroline Weir kind of impressed me from looking back at the goals as well. Some of her passes, for the first two goals in particular, Fantastic balls through. First one, at least Evans to cross for Claire Emsley to score. And a second in for Kim Little to round the goalkeeper. And then even the goal she scored as well to round off the night at the end was, was a crack finish. Knew it was you were saying there with Eric Cuthbert likes to move a lot. But Jane Ross seemed to be, she was in there and as you talked about, it was letting everyone else on the ball. And, and the four players around her did very well. All of them actually got on the score sheet by Lisa Evans in the end. So it was a good performance from what, again, from what, what I saw in the highlights. But yeah, they'll all be very pleased. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly just run through the rest of the game. So, the second half uh, came back out. Jane Ross, who had a few chances, uh, fair to say, up until that point, hadn't really converted any, but she poked home a kind of... I saw it was generous, generously marked up as a cross um, on, I think it was a Scottish FA Twitter. Pretty sure it was a shot and it just turned into a cross, but Jane Ross got in the end of it. Um, and then from there, Kim Little would uh, wrap up her hat-trick. Her second, though, actually, Kim, Kim Little, her footwork was amazing to get, get more space and then go around the keeper. Um, and then she got a fourth and then she got a fifth. And then, as you mentioned, probably one of the other highlight goals is Caroline Weir's goal at the end. And I'm glad you mentioned Caroline Weir, Campbell, because it's one of those nights where if Kim Little hadn't scored five goals, I think Caroline Weir would have come off that pitch uh, being the player of the match, um, man of the match, woman of the match. I know there's... I've, I've heard her listen to, listen to a couple of podcasts debating that, that term recently, so I'll just go with what I know at the moment. Um, but yeah, great win. Uh, Finland obviously beat Albania 3-0 uh, in qualifying, so I think it's probably fair to say, Campbell, and I think we talked about it the other week, that um, Finland are probably going to be our main our kind of main threat, though we've obviously in a group with Portugal as well in Group E. But next game up is Albania away. Obviously, Albania, pretty special place for, for Scottish women's football now. That's the site of qualifying. And realistically, although we just got over the line last time, we'd be looking for another three points in that one, eh? Yeah, Albania are obviously only above Cyprus in the group in terms of seeding, so you would really be expecting Scotland to come out on top of that one. It was a, it was a tough pitching score that actually the last time they played, and Scotland got an early goal, but losing one right on half-time kind of made them a wee bit nervous, but I think they'll go back at the end, as you say, it's a special place for most of the players that will be there, and they'll just be looking to kick on again and make it six points out of six, and then they face Cyprus away on their match day three. Yeah, we've got quite a kind start. It's a, it's a, start, a good start for building momentum. Um and it was something that uh, we were kind of talking about post-match when we were, we were speaking to uh, Shelley Kerr and Kim Little and Claire Emsley. And if you want to listen to those interviews, they are available on the Leading Line uh, podcast thread. So we'll just dip it back into the last one and they are there. Um, one of the interesting things about uh, the squad on um, on Friday night, sorry, forgetting what day I'm on at the moment. <laughs> one of the interesting things about the squad on Friday night was obviously the fact that Jamie Lee Napier obviously dropped it before start, but Jamie Lee Napier even got called up. And one of the questions I put to Shelley here was about this kind of jump from 19s to, to the full squad, and she seemed quite keen to facilitate that some way. In a Scottish way, there's their training camp in October instead of games. Campbell, I know we talked about it last week. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, your opinion is that maybe we should have another squad, an intermediary in between this 19s and senior setup. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously Jamie Lynn Apier and Amy did very well to get into the squad, but it's kind of tough for them when they're going, being very influential players in the under 19s when they won the European Championships here a couple of months ago. 
And then they're not going to get straight into that national side right away because it's just even with the players that are scoring the goals and the sort of influential players for Scotland, they're all playing in England and in America. So it's hard for them to bounce straight through. So I would like to see something in the 20s and the 21 side just to give them that next platform. And then if they're playing well at that level as well, then of course they're then going to attract the attention of Shelley Kerr. It just gives her more to And it just gives the girls more confidence that they know they can step up from the 19s then into the next squad if there was one and then make it an easy passage into the first team for them. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it was something that Shelley did when I asked the question. She was, um, she definitely seemed like it was an idea that she was a fan of. It's just obviously how you facilitate that and obviously the, the big, not taboo, but the big subject of what this money that the SFA hasn't burning a hole in their pocket and what that's going to do uh, going forward. But yeah, great stuff for Scotland. Um, also, we need to talk about maybe the actual game in terms of the attendance, 6,206. We talked about being a little bit concerned about it. I made a massive faux pas last week when we were talking about it as well. But to be fair, I've owned up to it, Campbell. That was my, my mistake. But 6,206 is a massive attendance. And one of the things that came up post-match was also the, the notion of maybe Scotland either basing themselves in Edinburgh or moving themselves around the country. What's your thoughts on, obviously, first of all, the crowd, biggest one in, in qualifying history for Scotland, and then this idea of either having a, a set base that isn't Glasgow or Paisley or moving it around the country? I mean, I think for the fact that the game is the game is growing around Scotland, it's not just growing in Edinburgh or in Glasgow or across Central Belt in general, but obviously you had the Highlands and Islands League Cup final the other week, so there's more game, more people enjoying watching the games up there. Um, there was a few people from Aberdeen actually on Twitter as well talking about moving games up there, with the captain and vice captain both also being Aberdonian residents originally. So I mean, it would make sense. You would think games around the country and let more and more people um, I mean also we talked about Paisley it was it was a great place for these games but if you had, would you be getting crowds of 6,000 if it was Paisley like you would get into the road it's just the biggest stadium attracts more folk and obviously I think the fact that they had the 18,000 there at the Jamaica game at Hamden they sort of thought made, they made the SFA or the Estamente sorry think to move it out to a bigger ground like Easter Road and then obviously you're not getting full crowds there but it was a good crowd from uh, six to two and six, as you say, is obviously very good. Shelley Kerr, Kim Little, both were saying um, that they enjoy playing Easter Road, but happy to see them there again. We obviously have got the uh, Scottish Cup final at Tyne Castle, so it's, it's good to see that there's games being played all over the place, and I think it should be it should be taken over the country. You've got grounds even further north. There's still people in Perth and the Aberdeen that like to watch women's football as well, and it'd be good to see them move across there rather than just down in the central belt. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm for the idea of the it moving around, especially when you're you are as you say growing the game and the game is growing. We've we've talked about and I think I've written about recently how Aberdeen are really grasping the the bull by the horns at the moment in terms of the, the north of Scotland and, and getting a foothold there in terms of developing the game. And you're quite right to say, obviously Rachel Corsi and Kim Little are from that neck of the woods. I, I have concerns about Aberdeen maybe just being that little bit too far away. Now I know that sounds a daft thing to say because I live in the Central Belt, but the Central Belt is kind of where the bulk of the the bulk of Scottish women's football is at the moment, and that's that's not a a slight on geography. That's just kind of the fact at the moment. It's, it's very central based, and maybe that's why it does need to go to a place like Aberdeen or Inverness. But I certainly wouldn't be against it spreading out a little bit further. But I have to say, fair play, it's over six thousand at that game on uh, Friday night. It didn't look like it where I was. The the press area is above where the bulk of the, the fans were, so it was a little bit confusing at the start. But when they confirmed the attendance, obviously delighted with that. Um, so that that. Talks about Scottish and women's national team. Let's move to the Scottish Cup because you've mentioned obviously Tyne Castle is a venue. And last week we didn't know what the draw was, but the draw has now been made, Campbell. Um, we have four ties 
Uh, they were going to be played on September the 15th, so that's not that far away just now. Uh, we have Hibernian against Hamilton, Celtic Glasgow City, Aberdeen Rangers and Motherwell Queen's Park. I'll tell you what, Campbell, I'll give you first pick. Do you want to pick your fixture of the quarterfinals? I think the obvious one there is obviously Celtic Glasgow City. Um, Celtic obviously get a win the weekend that we'll come on to, which now makes them the top two sides in the country. Um, on rankings at least, that's no disrespect to Hibs. So that obviously stands out. But I mean, the other ties would be interesting as well. Hibs, uh, they have obviously have like another good season, but teams have gotten at them um, on occasions as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Hamilton cope with the step up. Have been relegated obviously from SWPL1 last season to facing a side higher up there. Um, and then obviously Aberdeen have knocked out two SWPL sides in Spartans and Kilmarnock to get this far against Rangers. And then even for Queen's Park, they look at Motherwell as a chance of getting something. So there's four. Four intriguing ties, but I think it's obvious for the rest of the world that Celtic Glasgow City is the standout tie around. Yeah, I think in terms of name value, obviously Celtic Glasgow City stands out. Um, I'm a bit of a, a cup romantic though, Campbell, so I quite like the the, the look of the Aberdeen Rangers game. It's a team from a, a lower division who's on the up against a team from the, the top tier who are obviously underneath uh, under a new coaching underneath Gregory Vignal. They actually went down to Liverpool. I saw. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Campbell. This is a bit of a, a tangent, but we'll go with it because it is women's football related. Uh, Rangers went down to play Liverpool at a, fr- a friendly. Now they lost eight one, which we could talk about for days. It was a friendly, but one of the things that happened was Kim Ramsey got injured maybe about twenty minutes in, um, and Ellis Dalglish had to go in goal. That obviously wasn't working because the Rangers Twitter then updated five minutes later that a Liverpool substitute goalkeeper ended up going in goal as well. Now, I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it was 3-1 at that point, and then Liverpool went on to win 8-1. But I think it is, and tangent over, by the way, um, but I think Aberdeen Rangers is definitely definitely one that's got my interest. As you say, Hibs Hamilton, I thought Hearts did a really good job for half an hour against Hibs, and then Hibs' quality took, took hold, and how Hamilton matchup will be really interesting. And as you say, Motherwell Queen's Park, Motherwell, I just... It feels like this is kind of what they have to play for now this season. They're not going to get relegated. Realistically, they're in that kind of fourth, fifth, sixth battle with Rangers and Spartans. So, yeah, I think I think you are right. I think it's a really good mix of ties. I'm going to pick you on the spot, Campbell. Of the four games, who are the four teams going through? Celtic, Hibs, Motherwell, Rangers. You, sound, you sounded so super scoreboard there when you said that. <laughs> but right, so Celtic Cubs, Motherwell Rangers. Um, I'm, oh, hang on, I've just realised you said Celtic and not Glasgow City. I just flipped that piece yeah. by. What's, what's your thoughts behind Celtic over Glasgow City? I know Glasgow City have had the edge on them, as I've had on everyone, but Celtic have run them close in all three games, barring the SWPL Cup game way back at the start. But Celtic are in great form. That will be their fourth home game in the trot as well. And they're really full of confidence we're going into it. The players, as it was an interview this morning on Celtic's website as well, Rachel O'Neill, who they're all properly buzzing for that tie there. And you just think there's Glasgow City in the cup, just it hasn't been going their way in the last few years. And just have a sneaky feeling that Celtic could go and edge them. I mean, I'm always predicting things like that and tend to be wrong. But we'll see what happens. You know, obviously, Glasgow City are favourites, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Celtic sneak past them. Yeah, I think I said earlier on in the season that. The, the times I've seen Celtic, I've been impressed with them. And one of the things that Eddie Willecky Black has said on a couple of occasions now when it's come to Glasgow City, obviously a, a side and setup he knows very well, is that he feels like they're getting closer and closer. And I think results have kind of bore that out, even though maybe the scorelines haven't changed that much. So I think it's definitely worth a shout. I mean, I, I, I think 
with the this kind of cup thing that Glasgow City have now got in their head, we obviously talked. I think we when we were covering the SWPL Cup final, we were talking about how Hibs seem to have this this thing over Glasgow City in cups at the moment. Um, I think Glasgow City will be very determined to make sure that that they get to the final and then when they're in the final they they do the job. So I think Glasgow City will come through that. But I think your other picks are probably fair, though Aberdeen Rangers. The fact that Rangers have got to go up to um, up to Aberdeen, they played their last game at Balmoral, which is the home of, of Cove Rangers. I imagine they'll play it there again. I think that certainly adds an extra layer of danger for Rangers in that respect. But certainly looking forward to those ties uh, on the 15th of September and obviously get along to them if you have a chance. There was, though, uh, usually when there's national team games, there isn't any SWPL action, but to help catch up with figures, there was a couple of games uh, this weekend. Um, let's talk about Celtic first of all, Campbell, because uh, you mentioned it. Uh, 4-0 win at home to Stirling University. It's kind of what you'd expect, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're 3-0 up in half an hour, and then it looks like it could be a sort of a, sort of a route, but Stirling were seeing themselves, they were taking positives from the second half, the fact that they kept it down to one, but, I mean, Celtic are obviously... As I say, they're in this run at the moment where they're winning games, they're full of confidence. Obviously, now five points off Glasgow City, but have to do two games more. But it was a comfortable sort of afternoon that you wouldn't really expect, I think, from them. Yeah, so it was uh, Kiva Keenan who got a first Celtic goal, opened the score, and then Rachel Neal, who you mentioned, scored the second before Kathleen McGovern got a double. Um, uh, Sterling University, we talked about this a couple of times in terms of their squad. They had another one of their new intake at the university player, uh, Devlin Jeter, who, who signed. Um, she actually started against Celtic at the weekend. Um, and I'll be interested, and we'll probably talk about their next fixture actually when we get to this weekend's games. But yeah, pretty straightforward. And as you say, that, that puts Celtic clear in, clear in second place as it stands. Uh, the other game of the weekend maybe had a bit more riding on it, Campbell. Um, Glasgow girls against Hearts up at Peters Hill Park. Um, I went down to this one. I just went down because I had nothing better to do in the, the Sunday afternoon. I kind of wanted to see how that the game was uh, shaping up. Um and Glasgow girls won Hearts too, but I don't think that really tells the total story of the match, Campbell. Um, I don't know. I've not seen many highlights. Have you seen much of this one at all? Yeah, I've I've watched the goals back on Hearts Twitter page there, and the three absolutely fantastic goals. Having watched them back, I mean, obviously Hearts struck pretty late on to come from behind, having been a goal down to Kirsten Maguire's headed, but it was it's a huge win for them ahead of obviously this huge game on Sunday that we're going to move on to talk about but it was a good comeback win that what is a tough place to go when Glasgow girls are on form yeah and to be honest with you the first half of it was very even um, Glasgow girls took the lead through Kirsten Maguire um, she was working the channels it was quite surprised actually to see her starting up top it was a wonderful ball by Lydia Johnson who has come down um, as happened quite a lot in women's football if you, if you don't listen or know this before um, Lydia Johnson signed from Bucking Ladies thanks for the tip, tips off the people who gave me that tip off I appreciate it um, she's come down from Bucking Ladies and she started on, on Sunday and she put in a, a really good cross which Kirsten Maguire as you say was a, a cracking header and maybe it's not something you'd expect, expect from her when you look at her stature against the defence so yeah Hearts they were playing a kind of 3-5-2, 5-3-2. They had basically had wing-backs in operation, but it was kind of floating about who, who they were. Claire Williamson, who had signed on loan from Hibs for the rest of the season, really good signing. I think we both put that out on Twitter. Um, she is clearly not quite yet match fit because I think she, towards the end of the game, kind of was struggling a little bit. But I thought in the first half, I couldn't quite... Hearts just didn't seem at it. Um, and we considered the opportunity they had to obviously join Hamilton at the top of the table it was, it was weird to see but in the second half I think the strength of their squad um, really came to the fore we'll have to say Georgina McTier had a 
fantastic game for Glasgow girls. If it wasn't for that, there could have been many more. There's a, a, an incredible uh, block that she put in uh, before Hearts got their equaliser. Um, but what equaliser, Campbell from Claire Delworth? She just kind of strode up the park. She was given quite a bit of space, I think, probably because nobody expected her to hit it. And then she let loose maybe 25, 30 yards out. And it was in the as top corner as top corner could be. Uh, and then uh, Rachel Walkinshaw had come on and made a difference for Hearts in, in the second half. And I think, as I said, the, the quality off the bench helped Hearts a lot in, in, as the game progressed. She scored a free kick to them, a 2-1 win. But Campbell Hearts have done this a few times this season where they've dug a result out. And I think that is maybe one of the, the hallmarks of a side that could go the distance as well as being facilitated with the kind of quality they have in their squad. I mean, so have Hamilton. I, I, I get your point as well, but Hamilton have dug out results a lot more often maybe than Hearts have. Went up to Dundee United and St Johnston recently, especially where the games, they weren't playing really great and then managed to get something out of it, whereas Hearts have dropped a lot of silly pods as well. Um, Kilmarnock at home, they should have won, didn't. Dundee United twice, they lost both. There's games like that where it's, if they'd won these games, games they probably should be winning, they would be ahead. So as much as, yes, it's another result they've dug out here, but they could well be well clear themselves and probably slightly disappointed that they're actually still so close to Aki's. Yeah, and I mean, it's not to downplay what Hamilton have achieved this season as well. You're very right to call that out. Um, and I think it's something... I'll tell you what, let's just move on to it, Campbell, because we've, we've talked about Hamilton Hearts. Um, we'll start at SWPL2. We're going to reverse engineer the fixtures this weekend and we'll start at SWPL2. Um, this weekend, we've got Hutchinson Vale against FC Kilmarnock, two o'clock at the Sorton Enclosure. Glasgow Girls against Plastic Thistle, which is probably worth a wee chat about. Four o'clock at Petersill Park. Dundee United St. Johnson at the disc at three o'clock. And then Hamilton Academicals Hearts. First, first is second at the Fountain of Dew Stadium, the ever-changing name that is New Douglas Park. Four o'clock kick-off. First, we second Campbell. Where you, you, we've obviously seen a bit of the size, obviously, over the course of this season. Where do you see Hamilton and Hearts having advantages in this game? I think Hearts a possibly slightly strongest team when you look at them and they've also got a bit of, kind of pace out wide sort of thing but I think Hamilton are probably the stronger defensive side their defence has done very well most games when I've seen them this season as well they're never really like they're not hammering teams but they don't concede many goals and I think that will stand them in good stead given some of the players Hearts have I mean Hearts also made some good signings but as as you were saying on Sunday they struggled to break down Glasgow girls for quite a lot of the game so if Hamilton can get ahead in that and then they know there's sort of stop parts coming at them, then it could be a long afternoon for them. But then again, look back at the opening day uh, when they met there as well, and Hearts won that game 2-1 when Rachel Walkinshaw scored that goal from pretty much the halfway line. So it's it's one that really could go either way, but I think the first goal will be crucial in deciding who gets the three points. Yeah, you're about, you kind of touched on my next point, which is actually Hearts have won both the games so far, 2-1 at, at the new, at new Douglas Park, or it was called the Hope CBD then. I'm just going to keep calling it New Douglas Park because see, stadiums that change their name for sponsorship reasons really wind me up. So New Douglas Park um, and then Hearts beating them 3-1 at Orion uh, back in April. So Hearts have, have the kind of upper hand in the fixture head-to-heads. Um, I think for me, probably there's a few kind of key battles for me. I think what Hamilton have shown is that if they can get a get a goal, and Dion Brown's been, been very key in that so far this season, if they can get a goal, then they have the ability to to kind of use that to as a building block. I think I think for me, I'd maybe slightly favour Hearts at the moment, just because of the quality player they have at disposal. I mean, they obviously signed three players from the SWPL1 um, at, at, during the summer break, and Danny McGinley, Robin Smith, 
uh, and Louise Mason, and they all started uh, on Sunday. But it's going to be a really, really interesting game to ha- to, to look forward to. I'm looking forward to going and covering that one. That's that's where I'll be this Sunday. Um, obviously, Campbell, if one of these teams wins, it gives them a massive advantage. But there's actually a third team that's still ha- hanging in in this race, and that's Partick Thistle. And they're taking on Glasgow Girls at Peters Hill Park. And I don't think we've talked about Partick Thistle very much, Campbell, but... They, if they win their game in hand, they're only two points behind of, and if, if for example, Hearts Hamilton draw, that that's really an ideal result for them. And I've not seen much of this. Obviously, I think you maybe have seen a little bit more than I have. Um, what's your, what's your been, what's been your take on this so far this season, and how do you see their game going against Glasgow Girls on Sunday? This is a very solid team. I mean, since they come up, you can see there a lot. There's a lot of experienced players, a lot of stronger players. Again, they're not afraid to get stuck into anyone when they're playing. And again, they don't score many goals, don't concede many goals, but they're always there winning things, picking up points that are getting them that at the table. And obviously Hearts and Hamilton are the biggest two teams in the league. Hamilton having come down last year, and then you've got Hearts, who are obviously all getting in Kevin Murphy and things like that with their academy. So it's, it's good to see that. But this one have just been slowly working their way up. And against Glasgow Girls, I mean, I've seen them a few times as well, and it's they seem to... They can attack well, but defensively they're not so great. So, I mean, it's I don't see it being a game full of goals. I think it was, it was a tight game when they met previously in the season as well. But it's it's an interesting one. Um, I'll be heading there, seeing as everyone else is going to Hamilton. But um, yeah, it's good to see again. If, it's a big game for Thistle because as much as Glasgow Girls are a tough team to play against, Thistle can get the win, as you see, then suddenly they're right in amongst the, the, challenge, um, the top three as well, challenging for promotion up to SWPL1. Yeah, I mean, Glasgow, I was impressed with Glasgow girls on Sunday, and I've seen seen them a couple of times myself. And I was impressed with them for for the majority of the game. And I actually thought, come the end, it was a little bit harsh on them to lose that game. If I'm being perfectly honest, uh, you, I actually thought to counter what you said about the defence, as I thought the defence held up pretty well. But as I said, I think uh, George McTeer had a had an absolutely cracking game, and I think that really helped with that. Um, I think they're probably a little bit too far back. And Campbell, I know that there'll be some people who disagree with this at Dundee United and St Johnson and Glasgow Girls and even Kilmarnock. But it really is now down to, for me personally, it feels like it's down to these three teams. And and even at that, if part of this will don't get a result on Sunday, it feels like it's down to two. Am I wrong in saying that? I know maths, maths is not in my favour. Obviously, the arithmetic says that I am. But for me, it feels like at the moment it is very much a, a Hearts Hamilton battle with Path of Thistle. They are ready to, to ready to pounce. It's very cliched that, but uh, they are ready to pounce if either of them slip up or both of them slip up. Yeah, I mean we've both seen enough of the teams in this league this season to sort of make that judgment on them. And a month or two ago, they were kind of noticed and were saying right that St Johnston sort of dropping out of it. I think it was like Dundee United and Glasgow Girls when they met a fortnight ago in Dundee. Both sides kind of had to win if they wanted to keep push up the top. A draw did neither of them any result any favours. So that sort of it's almost dropped them out a bit. Kilmarnock are there, but again, they just dropped too many silly points. I mean, they also have to be on United to play them as well, but it's then you're having to win games against the likes of Hearts and Hamilton, who, apart from United, most teams have really struggled against, so it, it does make a difference to that. Again, I think for Thistle, they do have to win, and they keep having to win. I mean, they've still got both Hearts and Hamilton to play as well again, so they can certainly be up there, but they just have to go on a pretty good run, and I mean, I have to really agree with you, and I think it the fact that the two teams are now level 
and their goal difference is so much better than everyone else. You can kind of see where you're coming from and that it probably is going to be a two-horse race, but part of this won't want to agree with that, pardon me. Um, and if they can get a win on Sunday, then never really know, especially with the result. Um, you, Douglas Park, we're going to go with that. Anything is possible, so we'll just need to wait and see. But I think it'll be two interesting games on Sunday with the top four all playing each other. Campbell, you can just call it whatever you want, as long as we know what we're talking about, it's all, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I think I think the result will play, the result on, <laughs> the result on Sunday will play a big a big part in that. Um, also, the other two games, uh, Hutchieville against Kilmarnock. I mean, it's going to be a Kilmarnock win, Campbell. I um, suppose all you're looking for from Hutchieville now is some signs of, of improvement in, in any regard at the moment. And then the AC Johnson, which I suppose... Uh, not necessarily going to have a, a big stand, I think, come the end of the season in terms of, of who goes up. But it's definitely a game where I think it will actually probably be quite a good watch. Uh, it should be an interesting game. I mean, Dunning United have had the edge in the last meeting where they came from behind uh, to win at McDermott Park on the Astro. And the first game was way back at the start of the season where I think it finished a one-all draw, I'm sure, there. So it'll be another interesting game. These two sides can go in. I think they both know they're not going up. Either in any trouble or relegation, given the fact no one can go down this season. So it'll be a game where both teams can go in and just look to play good football. And I just hope that they, they actually can do that. I hope they get some decent weather for it, like United had for the last home game, and just get two teams that want to go and play football. Jonathan, as we've said before, have impressed us in some of the way they try to play, but they just do not score enough goals. Whereas United, obviously, got Neve Guffrey's been on fire. She scored again for the under 17s national side as well. So they've got, both got players that can put the ball in the net. I fancy United just to edge it, but. Should be an interesting game, and if anyone is up in the Dundee area on Sunday, a loose end, then I'd encourage them to go along and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so that's SWPL too. Um, I think as Campbell's, I'll definitely be a Hamilton Hearts. Campbell's maybe still deciding what, what the best bet to be because in SWPL oh, one, Campbell. Oh. Yeah. Um, in SWPL one, there is uh, obviously games in SWPL one. Obviously, we've got Spartans against Hibs at Ainsley Park at one o'clock. Uh, Celtic 4 for Farmington at 2 o'clock at K Park in East Kilbride. As you mentioned, Celtic on this run of, of home games just now. Uh, Motherwell Selling University, half two at Ravens Craig. And then you've got Rangers against Glasgow City at the Hummel, also at half two at the Hummel Training Centre. Um, it's hard to kind of get, and well, let's be honest, Campbell, it's, it's hard to get enthused about the, the SWPL one at the moment because it feels like Glasgow City have kind of got it sewn up. They, they travel to Rangers. Um, this will be kind of Gregory Vignal's they also played Celtic and, and got uh, got beaten fairly comfortably although the Rangers did come very strong in the second half of that, that game um, but this will be Gregory Vignal's first kind of on-pitch site of Glasgow City you obviously expect Glasgow City to win but I'll be interested to see what Rangers are like a month down the line from, from their kind of first competitive game since uh, he's come in of course Yeah I mean I said I saw them a half against Glasgow once they reverted back to their first choice team and a lot of the stronger players they did they played some really good stuff again the rain hampered it and against against a lower league team but it'll be an interesting game and Rangers will be looking to kind of kick on they've had a good support in for the games I've had there as well so they'll be hoping that they can go on it's going to be a tough game obviously against Glasgow City but having the grass pitch as well was one that you don't have many of um, and she's got a football, so that'll be another sort of interesting factor to it. Obviously, the Glasgow City players playing, we've played in grass before with the Scotland exploits, etc. But I think if Rangers can just sort of keep back and try and get themselves a goal, then anything could happen there. But you kind of you still have to fancy Glasgow City to win the game there. 
Yeah, I mean, same with Celtic against for Farmington. You'd expect Celtic to, to run out pretty comfortable winners. Um, obviously, Spartan-Sibernian, the Ainsley Park derby, not even just an Edinburgh derby, but the Ainsley Park derby. Um, Earlier in the season, it was a 0-0 draw, Campbell. Um, Hibs have got a pretty big kind of, well, it feels like this is all, all I'm saying about Hibs just now, but they've got a pretty big couple of weeks coming up. Um, obviously, um, with this game, the Scottish Cup and the Champions League all coming up. Um, and Spartans on their day can cause some problems, but you'd expect Hibs to probably still be too strong at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think Ainsley all should be a pretty good game, but Spartans have sort of disappointed me when I've watched them this season, given what we know what we know they can do. Um, they're, they're in that area again where they're not going to go down to the sort of mid-table challengers, but as much as they got the point against Hibs, I think a lot of that came down to Rachel Harrison, who's had a great season, but obviously in um, the team of the season so far at the halfway point. But I think if Hibs play the way they can, and focus on that game and not have one eye on next Wednesday night, then they should run out winners in that game. But Spartans, we always don't even know, know what they can do. So if they can they can do that, and they sneak over, then who knows? But I, yeah, I certainly do fancy Hibs as well for taking the three points there. Yeah, I think I, I agree. As I said, just the kind of the way Hibs are playing at the moment, certainly domestically, and as they did in, in the qualifiers for for the Champions League, um, I just think that the They'll be a hard, hard team to beat at the moment, unless you're a Celtic Glasgow City, and that's where the, the real challenge comes. But I think maybe the, potentially the game of the weekend, the next time was Motherwell Stirling University. Now, in the face of it, it doesn't sound stellar, but Stirling University are bringing in more faces. Motherwell, we've just talked about, maybe don't have much to play for, and have kind of tailed off a little bit from starters the season pretty well. Campbell, let's be honest. Is this a result? This is a fixture that Stirling University will be looking at and going. This is a chance for us to make some ground up in for Farmington. Yeah, definitely. As I said earlier on, they were the Celtic game. They played pretty well in the second half there from, in what was, what was, from what I was told. Sorry. So if they can take confidence from that and head into the game against the Motherwell side who have dropped points against some of the teams down below them in the season and in the league earlier on in the season. So it'll be an interesting one there. But Motherwell, when I saw them in the Scottish Cup last weekend against Inverness, they were really impressive in the first half there as well. So if they can start well, then they should be on top of the uni. But as we say, obviously it's fourth fight expected to be Sterling. We're going to that game knowing that if they can win, chances are they'll close the gap or even overtake them. So we'll see see what happens there. But again, you would expect Motherwell to just be that wee bit too strong for them eh, through at Ravenscreen. Yeah, but I mean, if, as we know from history, if there's any team that can kind of start pulling out this kind of comeback, it is Sterling University. So we'll certainly keep a wee eye on that one as well. But I think that, that wraps up for this week, Campbell. So, first of all, thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's really much appreciated. Please share it and tell everybody about it. Uh, it just helps us get this name of women's football out here in Scotland a lot more. Campbell, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Uh, delayed reaction, as always. <laughs> and we will be back again next week. <laughs> Make sure you get in the Scottish women's football websites to go and see any fixtures. And if you're about on Sunday, go out and see a game and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening.